Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host Ian Lewins, one of the consultants in the Children's Emergency Department in Derby um, and I'm really happy to be joined uh, today by Dr Nick Schindler who's uh, a general paediatric registrar uh, based in Norwich. Good evening Nick, how are you? Hi and good evening, I'm very good thank you, how are you? Excellent, yeah not too bad, very snotty at the moment, I think that's the, the joys of paediatrics this time of year. Um, but thank you for joining us. And we're going to talk about something I saw you doing on Twitter. Uh, and I thought, I've no idea what that is, but it sounds interesting. Uh, and that's Barlint Groups. Um, so what on earth is a Barlint Group? Um, so uh, firstly, forgive me, I'm, I'm not quite sure if my pronunciation is correct or not. So I'm calling them Barlint Groups. I've heard all sorts of people call them all sorts of different things. Um, and I, I probably should confess at the start that um, I am I'm not an expert in balance groups at all. Um, I'm not a clinical psychologist. Um, and there is a, an official balance society if anyone wants to get sort of first hand information about them. Um, I'm uh, just a paediatric registrar who seems to have stumbled upon them um, uh, and things have worked out quite well so far. So I'm, uh, I'm going to keep going. OK, disclaimer that. Yeah, OK. <laughs> Um, so uh, essentially, uh, a balance group um, is a, a form of, uh, I suppose you could call it a group psychotherapy. Um, it was developed in the 1950s um, by uh, two psychologists based in London, uh, specifically for use with GPs. Um, and uh, if you're a purist about balance groups, then they are um, a forum for doctors to explore difficult uh, doctor-patient interactions. Um, that, that's the, the original form of them. Um, I, they're by no means uh, unique to uh, me or paediatrics. Um, they're very widely used um, in psychiatry training. Um, and in fact, that's where I first came across them, um, was uh, as a, an uh, F2 in, uh, in psychiatry when I was working in Leeds. Um, a, a psychiatry registrar was was running uh, groups uh, for all the SHOs there, uh, and that was my first experience of balance group. Okay, so what does it typically involve then? So typically, you have a group of doctors um, who are all uh, of the same or a similar uh, grade. Um, and um, they uh, get together in a in a sort of uh, a safe and, and ideally bleep free space uh, with a set amount of time. Um, you have a, a leader um, for that group who has a degree of experience um, uh, using a balanced methodology. Um, and essentially you have a doctor who brings a, a case um, and that doctor um, starts the, the session by sharing uh, the facts and only the facts of an experience that they have had. Um, uh, as I said, as if you're being a purist, then that experience is, is around a difficult patient interaction. Okay. Um, and then the group have an opportunity to clarify the facts of that case. Um, and then the doctor sits out. Um, and uh, following that, the rest of the group um, discuss how they think the doctor might have felt and why uh, to do with that case. Okay. Um, so I guess, whereas a sort of, you know, your, our traditional morbidity and mortality focuses very much on the 
clinical aspects of things. This is, I guess, focusing on the emotional, psychological aspects. Absolutely. And and that was the great appeal of it for, for me was that um, so these original originally for, for, for me in terms of pediatrics came about through uh, supporting a, a resilience day in the east of England or a well-being day in the east of England. Um, and I've got sort of major antibodies to that term um, and and wanted to do something that was um, a bit more structured. Um, and really, for me, it's, it's about sort of uh, having a formalized education tool that we can use to learn from those experiences that we find really quite unpleasant. Um, but where our normal sort of clinical skills don't quite cut the mustard in terms of giving us a way of dealing with something. Okay. And does it tend to, in your experience of the ones that you've run, does it tend to sort of focus on, you know, difficult encounters or, or things that didn't go well? Is it, is it often the negative? Uh, mostly. Yeah. I, so the, there's a mantra that, that what happens in balance stays in balance and I won't use any sort of specific examples, but, um, uh, I've run groups where, uh, you know, we've been a bit more liberal about the interpretation of, of, of what a balance group is. And therefore we've talked about difficult interactions with colleagues, difficult interactions with parents. Um, but generally speaking, people or doctors tend to bring things that they they found uh, hard to manage and they want to you know pass out and um, uh, share a discussion with other people about yeah I mean what's the kind of what's the aim of the group then is it to sort of try and reassure the person who's brought the case or what what's the purpose do you think I, I I guess for me, that really depends on the doctor who brings the case, um, although they may not get exactly what they sort of come for. So w- once the doctor shares the facts of a case, they sort of t- take a back seat, drink a cup of tea and, and have a piece of cake um, and listen to everyone else talk. And that seems to really allow everyone else to say things that they maybe wouldn't say if it was their experience um, uh, in terms of uh, interpreting a situation. Um, And people seem to be much better at saying, do you know what, that would make me really angry or I'd feel really guilty about that or actually I'm quite afraid of, you know, parents when they shout at me and and, and things like that, which I think we find very difficult to say about our own practice. Um, But somehow it becomes easier when we're we're depersonalizing it and, and talking about someone else. Yeah. So, you know, is is there an ideal group size, do you think, or does it tend to vary on who's simply available? Uh, so for, for, for us in Norwich, um, trying to run regular groups, it, you know, the size really varies upon who's available. I think ideally, if you've got really engaged people, um, then four to six um but we've run some groups at RCPCH that probably made it up to about 20. Um, and actually people were very respectful of other people talking and quite switched on and, and that worked fine. I don't think I'd want to do it loads, um, but it did work. Okay. And I mean, I guess there's, is there one sort of person who, who's maybe like yourself is a bit more experienced that tends to facilitate and keep it moving? 
Um, so we're trying to, um, with you know, winter pressures aside, um, run groups at least once a month uh, at Norwich, yeah. um, and it's just been me facilitating those at the moment. Um, uh, my colleague um, Laura Poutney, um, who uh, started some groups with me uh, regionally at, at the East of England training days. Um, uh, is on maternity leave, um, but um, but she was a fantastic help in getting things set up. Um, and then you know, there are there are loads of people with with balance experience around the place. Um, I think the Wessex region uh, run groups uh, quite regularly at their um, uh, pediatric training days. Um, and I saw some colleagues um, uh, in uh, Amy in Vienna um, present um, uh, some pediatric balance groups in the West Midlands. Um, where they had some uh, clinical psychology support and backup um, to, to help them run the groups, and, and they felt that worked really well. All right. And, and, you know, how long do these sessions tend to last for? In my mind, is it about 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that? Uh, can do so we, we try to set aside 45 minutes for them right. um and sometimes you can get through two cases in that if things are, are are going really well if uh or equally if things are um you know something's particularly difficult to come up or that people feel particularly passionate about they can run a little bit longer um but we we run them in a lunchtime teaching slot which after people turn up and have grabbed a sandwich is normally about 45 minutes yeah and i get once it's sort of people have discussed this does the person who's brought the case kind of then come back in at the end or how, how does it what's the structure yeah so i tend to invite the the so the person who brings the case is is, is referred to as the doctor i tend to invite the doctor back at the end to uh share anything that they want to or sort of validate anything that's been raised or or maybe challenge anything that's been raised that they don't think was the case. Some people do choose to come back in and talk about it, and some people don't. Um, it, it really depends on what they want to get from the situation. Yeah. I, one of the things that strikes me about this that I think is interesting is you sort of talked about it being doctors. Um, is there a reason it doesn't include, say, other healthcare professionals, nurses, HCAs, those sorts of people? I think that's a really good question. So we have a fantastic group of um, advanced nurse practitioners um, at Norwich um, and we invite them to join us um, and some of them have and, and some of them have chosen not to. Um, and um, I, I think that works really well that for uh, you know nurse practitioners, depending on where you work, have very variable roles. Yeah. Um, our nurse practitioners don't work on the... SHO rotor, they, they have a parallel rotor of their own, but they essentially fulfill the same role. Um, and so balance seems to work really well for them. Um, I think that from groups that I've run elsewhere, the more diverse a group is, the less controversial things people are able to share. Um, if you have a select group of doctors who are all of the same grade, um, the the dark thoughts come out of the woodwork a lot quicker if that makes sense i think people feel a lot safer around people of the same level of experience and role as them um and i have deliberately asked consultants for example at norwich not to come to our groups because i think that the dynamic would change quite considerably yeah uh, yes it's interesting i mean do you think it's people would feel less able to talk than if there were sort of consultant colleagues or more senior colleagues uh, yeah, absolutely. I think as uh, as professionals, we're 
very geared towards assessment and thinking that we're constantly being judged. Um, and we learn from a very early age what you can and can't say and how to sort of sanitize your thoughts. And Balance for me is really about stripping that away and getting people to be as honest as possible. Um, and so any sort of challenge to, to that dynamic means that people go back to what's safe. They go back to what they think they're expected to say and what they're meant to do. Um, and um, uh, so keeping groups small and keeping them within a single profession um, uh, tends to help people to, to share more. I think it would be great to see uh, specific consultant groups run. It would be great to see uh, our nurses pick up a, a group of their own. Um, uh, that would be fantastic. Um, but again, I think it should stay within sort of little professional uh, silos. Yeah. And I guess with you sort of saying what goes on here stays here, do, if you get some learning from it do, do you share that or does it does it is that kind of against the point of the group um so i was always uh, advised to to start groups with a sort of core set of rules as to um how a how a group is going to work and and much like with uh with simulation um i very much say you know what, what happens here stays here um and i really encourage people not to to take things outside of that that includes uh, reflections and written reflections. I think Ballant is a fantastic space to maybe explore um, the more emotive side of critical incidents. Um, but I'm really sort of uh, explicit with, with doctors who, who come to do that, that they must absolutely not write down what people have said afterwards. Um, but I'm very uh, happy to uh, sign a you know, mini kex or a CBD uh, for someone's portfolio to say this doctor took part in this group um, in order to, to evidence their reflection if they want something like that for their portfolio. Uh, a fantastic colleague of mine um, uh, called Alex Rowland, um, who is, uh, was until very recently a, a, an education fellow in the East of England, um, was doing some brilliant work with uh, foundation trainees and reflection. Um, and we put together a study um, to look at um, balance-like groups um, uh, for facilitated reflective practice. Um, we got the foundation school um, in the East of England and uh, the team at Cambridge and Addenbrookes uh, to agree to allow some of their foundation trainees to be randomised to these groups instead of doing the traditional mandated portfolio reflections that you have to do in foundation. Unfortunately, we haven't found a PI with sufficient time to run the study. So if anyone's listening to this and they'd like to get involved in that and they've got some free time, um, that would be great because neither of us have the hours to, to put in on a regular basis to do it. Um, but it's all set up and ready to go. Um, and, and really, I think that that, um, that process is fascinating as to whether you can use this to, to allow people to do all the things that we tell them not to do in written reflection. Yeah. And I guess people listening to this might think, well, hmm, what's certainly my, my initial reaction looking at these was, well, what's the difference between these and the Schwartz rounds? I mean, the Schwartz rounds are something that I think people are more and more familiar with and seem to be being introduced. What, what for you are the differences between the two? Um, so I, I guess that the main difference is that a Schwartz round is a very big, open, multi-professional space. Um, someone will bring a 
case and will very much talk around it and their experience of it um, and then invite replies. That's certainly my experience of, of, of Schwartz rounds. Um, Balin is very structured and again, going back to the idea that you're within your own professional group, so it's much, much safer. I think you know, the idea of Schwartz rounds is that they should be a very safe space to share those thoughts. But if your chief executive is sat in the corner of the room, there's probably things that you're not going to share, even if you really want to. Um, and hopefully they won't be sat in the corner of the room for your balance group. Yeah. So what was, you know, when you set this up locally, what, what was it that uh, sort of appealed to you? about it and made you think actually this is something I want to do and take forward um there's a couple of things one I think that um educationally um we've been I say we as in junior doctors but I guess all healthcare professionals um through a, a few high profile events we've been really discouraged from sharing genuine uh, emotion and feeling in reflection um and I I don't think that's a great thing um, but I can understand why it happens. And so uh, I wanted to create a space where colleagues could share those experiences in a, in a constructive way um, rather than a, a, having a big event. Um, part of it was a, a sort of weird, geeky rebellion against the idea of uh, wellness and resilience because I happen to think that we're fantastically resilient already um, and that... Um, whilst we might need ways of learning from these experiences and, and, and passing them out, um, it, it's not about going on a yoga retreat. Um, so this was a, a, a structured alternative. Um, and then it was also about trying to do something that was specifically for junior doctor colleagues um, and um, showing people that um, they were valued um, and that they were respected as individuals and a way of protecting time and um you know the flu season aside because it's uh, been fairly difficult for all of us i think to, to to make time for teaching in flu season um we've been really successful at norwich in um having bleep free protected time for these sessions um that i hope um particularly for the shos really says you know your professional development here is respected and your time is is important um and we're going to protect it yeah, I mean, just ref going back to one of the things you mentioned there. What what stops it becoming a big moaning session? Then um, you know, I could, could see that it could very easily do that. Um, hopefully, good facilitation stops it becoming a big moaning session. I, I certainly, you know, some groups need more facilitation than others. I think in in, in any group work is like that, um, and really trying to guide people sort of back on track um hopefully having a, a light touch in doing that um but uh but but pulling them back and and i guess as well because of the format of balance groups you're talking about your perception of someone else's experience so it's although people do share anecdote and i think anecdote can be quite useful in uh in illustrating a, a thought or a feeling um, and, and, and sharing experiences of your own. Um, generally speaking, because the people talking, it's not their case, um, they're not quite as uh, emotionally invested, as it were, and they don't end up down that ranty rabbit hole. Right. And, and again, you know, the cynic might say, this is just a big 
touchy feely group hug <laughs> nonsense. Um, I, I'm taking it that's not your experience. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, some things can be. Sometimes it can be touchy feely nonsense, um, uh, and and that's fine. Um, I, I think that if you do this well. Um, then it is uh, structured and constructive and um, it gives people a way to think differently about a situation but also helps them to appreciate how other colleagues um, approach the same or similar situations. Um, you know, we do that with communication skills, we do that with um, incident simulation, uh, we do that with clinical skills and, and really managing a difficult emotional situation is a clinical skill. It's, you know, just one that we haven't traditionally spent much time teaching. Yeah. And so when you sort of decided I'm going to set this up, um, how, A, how did you go about it? And B, what sort of reaction did you get locally from your, from your colleagues and peers? Oh, great question. Um, so when I when I first set this up in the east of England, um, Laura and I had been asked to run a workshop at um, a regional wellness day for the SC1 to 3s and there were about 70, 80 people coming. Um, and um, we left it to the last minute and we were having a phone conversation and saying, what should we do? And I said, well, have, you ever, have you ever been part of a balance group? And she said, no. And I sent her the link to the Balance Society website and said, have a read, see what you think. Yeah. Um, uh, and then we had another phone call about an hour later and she said, yeah, I think we could make this work. And so we ran parallel groups there and we got really, uh, you know, interesting um, topics. We, we, we let people know in advance and we just said, if you've got an experience that you'd like to share in this format, um, then bring it with you. Um, we were a little bit disingenuous. We called them interactive clinical cases. Um right. Uh, so we sort of disguised the, the nature of it a little bit until people were actually there. Um, but that worked really well. Um, we then got invited to run some groups for uh, the trainees committee and college staff at the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health. Um, so uh, we went along and, and, and did that in London, and that was quite good fun. Um, and uh, and I said, having recently started at, at Norwich in September, before I started, um, I had a discussion with one of the consultants um, who said that they were happy to set aside time every month for, for me to have a regular group, um, and that's been working well so far. Yeah, and, and you know, what's the, what's the sort of the, the feedback been from these? Has it been generally pretty positive? Uh, so I think whenever you make an intervention um, that surrounds uh, professionals, your immediate feedback is always positive. That's, you know, that's the stuff that people put in posters and take to conferences. Um, uh, And and people are always quite complimentary. There are also people who will say, oh, this is just fluffy nonsense or it's a waste of time. Um, And that's a valid opinion too. Um, I I think for me, the, the most valuable thing has been colleagues who've come back afterwards and said either that they really needed to discuss that case and they just didn't know how um and it had given them a format to share an experience that that they just hadn't been able to say to someone i need to talk about this um but also colleagues who have said that they've then subsequently come across similar experiences that they had a better idea of what to expect and what to do in um 
Uh, and and that for me is quite rewarding to say that you know we've got colleagues who uh, have been in a difficult situation with a, normally in pediatrics with a parent rather than the patient themselves, yeah. um, and that that they've had a, an extra few tools to deal with that either in the moment or afterwards because of some of the things that we've discussed in groups, and, and that's fantastic. Yeah. Um- so you, you mentioned then um, the RCPCH, and obviously you're involved in your role with them. Is this something that you think the college will encourage or take forward or explore further? That's a really interesting question. So yeah, I, so I'm the assessment uh, examinations and start trainee rep uh, for the college. Um, and um, they've been fantastic at, at humouring a number of uh, initiatives that, that I've come up with over the last few years. And I'm incredibly grateful to, to the college and the college staff. Um, I, I would like to see um, things like uh, Minikex and CBD liberalised in the form so that it allows people to feel able to run groups like this and then evidence them through portfolio. I don't think we need more new forms in portfolio. I think less is more. Um, but I would like the tools that are there to become deliberately more flexible so that people can do stuff like this locally um, and then and then evidence and, and have that respected as, as evidence within their portfolio without having to, you know, write out their thoughts and feelings um, in, uh, in a fashion that they might then fear uh, end up in the wrong hands. Yeah. Um, so finally, Nick, then if, if people listen to this think, okay, this sounds quite interesting, um, but I need to know more, where would you direct them to to get more information and advice about these? Uh, I think so if you want to if you want to do it properly and you want to be a grown up about it, um, you can absolutely go to the Balanced Society. Uh, they run formal courses. Uh, they are the people who know what's going on. Um, if you want to be a little bit more rogue than that, um, go and find um, your local friendly psychiatrist um, or some clinical psychologists because most of them, in my experience, have come across this methodology and they're good to have a chat to. Um, if you want to see it in the paediatric context, um, then if you Google um, any other word than resilience um, uh, and my name, you will find um, our article, our blog article that we wrote for RCPCH last year. Um, we had a, a short article in the new Milestones magazine um, as, a, as an introduction to, to Balance as well. Um, and um, you can find, if you go searching for them, you can find lots of posters and short articles from different groups um, who've had varying experiences of, of balance, either in uh, paediatrics or psychiatry or, or, or other specialties. Um, and I think sometimes seeing what colleagues have done on the shop floor, on, on the ground, as it were, um, for me is the most useful because it, it's you know easy to to read someone's textbook version of something, but actually seeing how people have done it in practice for for me um, is a lot more useful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so plenty of, of resources there. And if people wanted to sort of touch base with you, is Twitter a good place to do that? <laughs> as as you well know, Twitter is a fantastic space for that. Um, at Dr. Nick Twit, um, uh, you're very welcome to uh, to get in touch on Twitter. It's been a fantastic space for for collaboration. Um, and is responsible for most of this nonsense, in fact. Um, so I, I continue to, to thoroughly enjoy that. Fantastic. Well, I, you know, I, I feel inspired by that. I think that's really interesting and something I'm going to look into. Um, so thank you so much for joining us today, Nick. 
Fantastic. Thanks for having me. And I look forward to uh, seeing your balance related exploits in the future. Excellent. Thank you.